Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. I hope you're having a great day today. Hey, I wanted you to meet a friend of mine. If you haven't already met him, Joe Campbell. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Oh, oh. So I'm going to be the crazy one, and you're going to be the sophisticated one. Is yeah. That, yeah okay, I got my jacket on. Today. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I want you to meet Joe. If you haven't met him, he's a real blessing to us here at Crosstown. Uh, he has single-handedly put together the men's retreat that's coming up in March. Yes. Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be up at Hickory Knob State Park. Yep. And uh, our motto is half the price. Double the fun. Double the fun. That's right. So, ladies, we hope you enjoy your trip. Sore. And, uh, yeah, that's sore. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing going to be sore <laughs> at the men's trip, is no. there? Stacy said we got to, you know, smash a couple bugs, but that's about it. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. No charcuterie trays for us. No, no. No, sir. No. No, some, no. there's an animal somewhere that's going to end up dead by the time this trip is over. Yep. That's right. Let's give it up for that. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Have your little environmentalists just kind of protesting me right now. They are. But so uh, we're excited about this trip, and we're going to have a lot of fun that we can treat ourselves to, like uh, like uh, golf. Treat yourself. Hiking. Treat yourself. Mountain biking. Treat yourself. Fishing. Treat yourself. Spitting wherever we want. Treat yourself. Making body noises we don't have to apologize for. Yeah, treat yourself. Growing in God. Treat yourself. Better husbands. Treat yourself. Better dads. Treat yourself. All right, there yeah. we go. Yeah. I th- we're going to have ourselves a good time. And I listen, guys, the way that you know whether or not you have to be on this trip, mm-hmm. if you should be on, if you have to go home and ask your wife whether or not you can go on this trip, you need to be on this trip. She's probably already asked us. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly right. We have wives that come up and say, listen, could you please take my husband away for a weekend and, and fix him? So, so we're not going to fix him. No, nope. we're going to help him discover who he is created to be as a man. We're not going to apologize for being a man. Right. We're going to discover what a man of God looks like. Absolutely. And we're going to become that. And then we're yeah. going to bring that gift home. Absolutely. That's right. You can look forward to that, women. So uh, let me ask you, how much is this, all this treats going to cost us? Uh, it's going to cost you a whopping $175. What? You sure? Yeah. Because, I mean, the girls are paying a lot more to go to Hilton Head and, uh, you know. Yeah, but they're Ikea. Bougie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's Joe Campbell right there. That was Joe Campbell I wanted you to meet. Uh, so, so we're going to have fun. Here's the problem, though. We have had men sign up faster than we thought, and we yes. only have 15 spots left. Yeah, 30 men have already signed up, uh, so we have like 15 spots left. Um, we did make a little challenge with Paul, so if we get more than 45, he's going to bring his camper out. The camper, that's right. I'll stay in the RV. Yeah. That's right. So we're going to make room, so open the floodgates, guys. Come on, sign up. We still got spots left. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's really going to be good. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Let's treat Joe to an applause here. Thank, Thank you, you guys. for your work. I tell you what, Joe has done a great job for us putting all that together. And uh, um, so we want to welcome you to Transform. And uh, transformation is a big deal. I mean, when you experience God's transformation in your life, it just changes everything. It changes people around you. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to the voice of a transformed life. I moved here January 2013, and we were married July 7, 2013, by Pastor Dan. Mary had attended this church before I got here, along with her daughter-in-law, Michelle. And I didn't come to change anything in her life. 
I had been struggling with recovery. I knew the thing, the right thing to do would be to be not change anything, but try to get my life better. Uh, my dad died from alcoholism along with three of my brothers. That's part of my story. But I was dishonest about my addiction and its surface. And it reared its ugly head in such a way that I was so ashamed and full of guilt. You know? Now, I used to cry out to God continually and go online and look for people to help pray for Calvin in his drug addiction and his alcohol, because it was new to me. I lived a very sheltered life. Really, 2016, the spring, I became very ill. I got up to like 300 pounds. I, I couldn't hold a head of cauliflower. I couldn't cut up meat. I couldn't use silverware. I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't even get over to the bathroom to go. I was a CNA for hospice before I became ill. He became my CNA and um, he had to help me daily with different things. From 2016 until 2018, roughly two and a half, three years, she was knocking on death's door and God has restored her and continued transforming yeah. her life and our lives together. He wants us to be free. And believe me, he said that he that Christ has set free us, you're free indeed. Today I'm miraculously free from all forms of alcohol, drugs, or any mood, mind-altering substance. And I give praise to God and I thank my wife. So she was so instrumental in my recovery. I've been clean and sober by the grace of God for some years now. And we just joined the new small group. Our first time ever in a small group together here at Crosstown. Because of our work schedule, we chose the McLean's to do a small group with. And uh, that first day experience, it was so comforting uh, to get to see people that we didn't even know, you know, except for a few. And we've been coming here nine years, married, been here 13 years. So it's given us an opportunity to get out of our shell, so to speak, and, and, grow, and, in and grow in the Lord and the body of Christ. I believe that we're a body of Christ. Yeah, so uh, I encourage anyone uh, that if you've been coming across town and you feel like uh, you're not connected, this is probably the best way to get connected. I love Town. the men, the women, the children in this church. This is my home. And I believe that there are no strangers here but friends that never met. Don't hold back, join a group. Wanna say hallelujah? Wanna say hallelujah together? <laughs> uh, hallelujah. <laughs> awesome, what a story. And it's not just a story, it's an actual life going on. So let me encourage you, become a part of a small group, be a part of Transformed. They drive an hour to go to their small group, okay, each way. So let, if you want transformation, it's there for you, if you're willing to engage the process. Also, if, if you're new to Crosstown or maybe you didn't sign up for Transformed in the first week and you're thinking, well, I'll do it next time. Well, I don't know if there is going to be a next time. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to sell something. But here's the thing. If you have to cancel a hair appointment because something goes on at work and you miss your hair appointment, what do you do? You look for the next available time so that you get your hair dyed and make the gray go away and get that curl back on. And, and, and you do that. You don't just say, well, I missed my hair appointment. I'll never cut my hair again. 
Or maybe you miss kickoff on a Sunday and you got home and you miss kickoff. You don't walk into the house and have all that, the hot wings all set out and ready to go and you miss kickoff and say, oh, I'm sorry, honey, I'm not gonna watch the Patriots game today. Why? I miss kickoff. I, I just, I can't do it. I missed the beginning. So let me encourage you. The idea that you traveling too far is too far and the idea that you maybe didn't, weren't a part of the first week, those are not good reasons for not being a part of Transform. Having a transformed life Walking the way that God wants you to walk and experiencing his best is worth the travel. So we've been using a verse that defines this whole series that we're going through for eight weeks out of Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That we're going to have to start thinking differently. And I know that we were all raised to think a certain way, and, and it's not all the same certain way. We're all thinking differently about things, the way we think about money, sex, and life, and people, and, and all those things. We, we think differently about it. And so we all were born with a way that we think biases that we walked into life with or were created in our heads. But God says, listen, if you want my best, there's going to be, have to be a transformation in your life, and that starts with the root directory of thought with the thoughts, the single words and the concepts that we have in our minds, that if we can begin to be transformed by the word of God in those root directory thoughts, that it will begin to change how we feel about things or how we manage our feelings about things or how I get along with my spouse or people that are different than me. It will radically transform our lives. So last week we talked about in small group and also on Sunday morning we talked about transforming your spiritual health and developing some, some spiritual habits that will help our spirits. Well, today we're gonna to be talking about the transformation of our physical life, because we're all having a physical life. But we're not gonna be talking about diets or anything like that today, but what we're gonna be talking about is something that directly impacts your physiology, and that is the amount of stress that you live under. And it is interesting that we live under stress because it is a pressurized system that we live in. So if you're here today and you're a little worn out or you're tired, you're stressed out or you're fed up, well, this is a perfect Sunday to be here. And we're gonna go into Psalm 23 and we're gonna break out a couple principles today. We'll do a couple next week as well, but we're gonna take a look at a couple principles that how God's word can transform how we deal with stress in our lives. Because stress is a real issue, whether it's a perceived threat or a real threat in our lives, it does affect us physiologically, emotionally, mentally. I mean, your blood pressure goes up, your, your pulse quickens, your, your adrenaline starts to shoot throughout your body. And, and that's a cool thing if you've got a Rottweiler chasing you from your neighbor's yard and you need to get out of the way real fast. Well, that's a really cool thing to happen that your body has. But the problem is, is when that system doesn't get shut off, when that system is going all the time, when you're laying in bed at three o'clock at night and your blood pressure is up and your adrenaline is rushing and you're worried about things in your life and you're, that stress begins to have an effect on you physiologically. So the problem is the chronic stress that it puts on our bodies and the breakdown that's ensuing. There is no lack of medical studies on the issue and the effects of stress in our lives. So I, I know we focus a lot on eating, that's good. You know, if you wanna eat kale, eat it up. 
Uh, I, I know we talk a lot about exercise, and you know, it's funny about exercise, because I, I try to do it as much as I can, as much as my body, so since I have some injuries in my body, I've looked for different ways to do it, you know, and, and um, I actually saw a video where you do trampoline exercises, where I, it was a bunch of people doing a trampoline exercise. I wish I had the video of it because it was absolutely ridiculous. But if it's working for you, could you let me know? Because exercise is a really important thing for all of us to do. But how we think probably impacts us even more. How we deal with chronic stress in our life is deadly to our bodies when we don't manage it the right way. So before we look at Psalm 23, let's, let's just talk about a, what, what would does stress look like? I just want to break it out like in my own personal life. Well, we've got worry. Worry is one thing that, that is a stress element. Um, and it, when I think about worry, I'm thinking about the context of losing something. I'm, I'm afraid that I'll lose my health. I'm afraid that I'll lose my civil liberties. I'm afraid that I'll lose my, uh, you know, my money. I'm afraid. I mean, so we worry a lot. And you know what's interesting? The more complex life gets, the more the worry goes up. See, when I'm back in the 19, I don't know when this would be. I guess it would be like 1980s, late 80s, 90s when the cell phones came out. You know, cell phones were cool. I remember Motorola. Anybody else had a Motorola? And then if you really had the in Motorola, you had what was called the StarTech, the StarTech 1000. And it was a little flip phone about that size, and you flipped it open, and you, you know. And so we had those little phones. But, you know, you paid about $79 for it. So when you forgot your phone, you just kind of like... Go down to Motorola or Altel, remember them? And you would go ahead and get yourself a new phone. You get yourself a new StarTac and no big deal. But today you lose your cell phone. We got a whole different thing going on. Because you're not paying $99 to replace it. You just lost a $1,500 Android, Samsung, Apple 13 Double Max Pro, blah, blah, phone. I mean, you just lost the price of a computer. I mean, you basically misplaced your TV someplace. And you didn't just lose it. You, you left a device that has Venmo, PayPal, eBay, Twitter, Snapchat, all the other things that identify you, all those other things that people can get into your life. You left that at the Bojangles. You know, I'm on a Bojangles theme here, two weeks in a row. But you left a $1,500 device. So now we're worried about our phones. And so it's interesting, the more complex life gets, it doesn't make us less worried. It makes us more worried about things that we could possibly, worried about not having enough. I, and, and I know it, it means, it shows that I live an incredibly sheltered life. But people say, yeah, I went to the grocery store and there was nothing on the on the shelves. I'm like, oh, come on. What do you mean there was nothing on the shelves? I mean, I don't know an America like that. And it's unfortunate that I, I, I have lived such a, you know, kind of sheltered life that other things that people go through I have not experienced. But, you know, we're in a period of time right now where that, yeah, there are some things that you can't get. There are some things that are not on the shelf. It's kind of like looking for a generator after, uh, when an approaching hurricane happens in the Charleston area. And so we begin to worry about things that we you know, need in our lives, and we feel that we're losing. And that has an effect on us. Then there's hurry. Here's another component of stress. Everything is going faster. 
And, and the thing is, is my generation, it was like an unspoken axiom, a kind of a, a, a belief that was true, but really you haven't proven it's true, but everybody accepted it's true, is that faster is better. I mean, just think about it, everything in your own life. It's like, well, I want a computer that's what? Uh, I need a computer that's faster. I need a phone that's faster. I need download speeds that are faster. I need, and I mean, I need downloads that are faster. I live in Hollywood, South Carolina. Okay, don't confuse it with LA. I mean, I live in Hollywood, South Carolina, where in my neck of the woods, and I mean woods, there's the download speed is 15 megabytes per second. Now, some of you living in the Charleston area, you're getting 150 to 350 megabytes per second. I'm getting 15 megabytes. Oh, upload speeds, 640K to one megabyte per second, okay? So that's why if you don't get an email from me until like three weeks after you send something to me, that's it. It's stuck someplace in, uh, in between here in Hollywood. But we're, we just believe the idea that faster is better. But what I've also noticed is that this need for speed creates stress when we don't encounter it. It, it causes difficulty. It causes collisions. Everything's got to be fast. So everything's colliding. Your fast collides with my fast, and all of a sudden we have stress in our lives. You know, I, I, I almost lost it in Home Depot yesterday. And I had no reason to other than I'm a maniac. And so when I was younger, not much younger, remember self-checkout? You could go stand in line, and, and standing in line meant somebody with cashier was going to check you out. Or... We have expedited service where you can self-check out yourself. Well, now there is no somebody helping you check out. Now I'm standing in line to check myself out. And it was a really big line. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this is so weird. I should be getting paid. If I'm standing in line to check myself out, why am I not getting paid to do this? And so I'm just getting frustrated. And I know I'm a little bit of a, a, a you know, a Loser here, but, but, you know, those kinds of things develop stress in your life. Somebody from the church walked by and said, hi, Pastor Paul. I'm like, can you believe I'm sitting in line? You know, it's like, what? It's like, yeah, that's the one thing I said to them. I didn't say, hey, bless you, the Lord is risen. Have a great day. We're going to heaven one day, brother. No, he saw me. Hey, Pastor Paul, I'm just like, I can't believe I'm sitting in line. What's happening to America? You know, I'm just going to leave. Have you ever left stuff? I'm that guy. I've left it. You can call me Karen, okay? You, I, I, have, I have dropped myself and say, listen, if you don't want to check me out, you know, if I'm going to wait for this, I'll just do Amazon. But you know what? There's something about the collision of speed that happens. Right now, it's actually going on in America. It's happening between the FAA and uh, cell phone industry. See, apparently... And all the development that was going on, whoever developed 5G wasn't aware the FAA was using the same bandwidth to land airplanes, okay? So everybody just kept developing, 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 developing. Finally, it's like, well, we own that and we own that. And, and so it turns out now that 5G interferes if my, my next-door neighbor is a pilot. And I was explaining that when they have conditions that the pilot cannot visually land the airplane, they have to go to auto land and all that other stuff, there is a certain bandwidth of communications between the airport and the, and the plane that is necessary so that in fog they can land the plane. Well, it turns out that 5G uses the same bandwidth and interferes with the landing of the airplane. 
So now we've got a big debate about who's going to give way. Is the FAA going to change what it's going to do, or is it the, or, or all these customers of 5G who are trying to download their Netflix show, are they going to be able to give way? See, we've got two groups that want to hurry. I want to get there fast on my airplane, and I want to download this video game, and I want to play this game, and I want to do it at the same time. So sometimes there's a collision the faster that we go, and, and who's going to give way? Maybe for you it's maybe a less technological issue, but it's more like work to school, then school to soccer, then from soccer to home, and then from home to the kitchen, and then from kitchen to bed, and then all of a sudden you remember while you're laying in bed, I have three kids, and I didn't talk to them, you know? And it happens every single day. And you don't think that takes a wear and tear on your relationship, the stress of, uh, that that it takes on your body. Then there's another stress inducer. Let's call that the challenge of crowds. And, and I'm gonna look at this a couple different ways. One would be the reduction of personal space. It's like 85% of Americans live near a metropolis. We all kind of move towards a city. It just seems to be what we do. Um, but there seems to be a shrinking of personal space. If you're in Charleston, you know that everybody from Ohio is moving to Charleston. Now, all I want to do is I think we need to take a road trip. I think we need to go up there because there's got to be a billboard someplace in Ohio that says they're giving away free gift certificates if you go to Charleston. We need to burn that thing down. I mean, we need to shut down I-77, and, and I'm from Boston. I took that ride, too, down on 95. We could shut that down, too. We don't, we, don't need, we don't need any more of that, but it's interesting. The more people are coming into this area, don't you feel it's like we don't have, we don't have space for this? I mean, there's a, there's a crowd issue. I live, like I said, in Hollywood. I'm very proud of it. I live in the country, or I did live in the country. I live on a dirt road, and on this dirt road, there's a bunch of lots that are just timber. And, and every day, every single day, the deer will run through. And we've got hawks and osprey and wild turkeys that run through the neighborhood. Absolutely incredible place to live. But it's interesting that the more it gets crowded, that people are buying up the lots like crazy in my subdivision. They're disappearing. What, uh, trees are being chopped down left and right, and all of a sudden, it's all disappearing. And, and now you'll see a deer in the middle of the day just standing, a group of them, standing in the middle of the road. And it's like because they've been spaced out, that their habitats have been shrunk so much, they don't know where to go. So I actually throw, I go to the store and buy corn, and I throw it in my backyard, and so that the deer will just kind of congregate in my backyard. It's really cool to see, I mean, up to 24 deer in my backyard. And it's like, but that's what happens, is that the more life gets crowded, the more, whether it's crowded in thought, crowded in activity, crowded in personal space, we begin like the deer to wonder, where do I belong? Where should I be? I feel exposed. Take it into the realm of, of privacy. That's what happened over the last two years is, is while we were trying to figure out what was the best for this pandemic is that this idea of privacy began to disappear a little bit. We had to be very careful about what we said and certain words that we used. We, were, we had to, uh, whether or not do I wear a mask, do I not wear a mask? Can I go in here if I'm vaccinated or if I'm not? See, it's just like the deer. You know, when its habitat is disrupted, I don't know where I'm supposed to be or how am I supposed to dress or how am I supposed to talk. And, and folks, 
for two years. That's why we're so angry is because we're stressed out. We're sick and tired of people telling us, whether it's right or wrong, we're sick and tired of, of losing our space. Another one I think is really interesting, and I think we're in it in America, and I think, I think we need to realize that the challenge is here. Um, it's the challenge of diversity. And you say, yeah, I don't like the challenge of diversity. And it's like, well, well first of all, we, we got to remember e, e pluribus unum is, is the slogan of the United States, out of the many the one. It's our great idea. It's what we, what we want to show the world that we do really well. But when you're trying to live in a non-homogenous culture and you move into a heterogeneous culture, that means you have got to create space for people to think different than you. And that causes stress. You got to have, you got to be willing to, to create space for somebody to have a different religion a different belief, a different skin color, a different idea. It doesn't mean you affirm that you believe that idea to be true or right, but you do got to create space for it. And, for, and as America has changed culturally, whether good or bad, the idea that all of us being different, living together and unified as one is still a great idea, but it does cause stress and difficulty. And when you got all the other spaces being taken away from, then you begin to start villainizing people groups because they're the reasons why I feel so stressed out. And it's not the case at all. We're going to find out the solution does not come from people groups. It comes from the word of God. Then there's the noise of choices. You know, we, another axiom that we have is that the more choices, the better. But I'm here to tell you that that is not the case. Just because you have more options, it does not equal better choices. And don't get me started with Starbucks. I mean, Starbucks is just, just stresses the heck out of me. Uh, I mean, I, and it's like, I, I, I want those little egg bite things, you know, you, you want those, with, yeah. but you got to learn French in order to order them. Okay, so I'm just, I just pull up like, yeah, can you give me one of those egg things with the bacon bits on top? And yeah, yeah, that, you mean the Gouvier, uh, and it's like, yeah, that thing. Could you give me one of those? Or if anybody from the office wants me to go get drinks at Starbucks, which they don't ask me anymore to do because they'll see me physically just start to shake it's like, so let me get this straight. You want a latte with a, a pump of mocha with, a, with, with sprinkled dust on top of it and a unicorn helmet, I mean, horn sticking out of the top. And it's like, and it just freaks me out. The more choices, the worse. And I know you think, well, you're just like crazy. And, and I don't think I'm the only one that has a problem with Starbucks. Watch. Good morning. Can I take your order? Can I get a tall chai? And a large black coffee. A what? Large black coffee. Do you mean a venti? No, I mean a large. He means a venti, yeah, the biggest one you got. Venti is large. No, venti is 20. Danny. Yeah, large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. <laughs> See, I, I gotta be honest. I'm that guy. I, I am that guy. It's like you're stressed. I have to learn three different languages in order to get a stinking cup of coffee. Long live Dunkin' Donuts. You know, I mean, that's, it's like, just get your Dunkin' Donuts and go. But you know what? More choices doesn't work. And, and I'm trying to figure it out why. And, and I think in my own experience is I find comfort in decisiveness. 
You know, I, you don't want a doctor that looks at you and says, well, you know, I'm not really sure here. There's about like, there's about like 10 different things we could do here, you know, and, and, uh, and, and then like, you know, this could work and you could do this or you could do that. You kind of, don't you want it? There's a sense of security when you figure a doctor says, listen, we got two choices here we're going to do. We're going to do that. I had a, a little operation on my shoulder this week and, and, and when I went into the doctor's office, she did an amazing job. But, you know, she's like, okay, we're going to cut out. We're going to have a four-inch scar there. Or we could uh, nuke it. Uh, we could, um, we could uh, wait to see what happens. And she started like going into eight, different options for my shoulder. And I said, um, hey, you said cut it, right? And take it out? And it's like, yeah. I said, let's do that. And it's like, why? I don't even know if it was the right choice, but I needed decisiveness. I didn't need more options. I, I feel secure when I can walk into a store. You want the railway? Oh, that's why, that's why ladies, and, and I don't want to sound like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in the strengths and the weaknesses of genders. But that's why guys freak out when they go into the paint section of Lowe's. And all of a sudden, you break out three swatches of gray, okay? Not just three different colors. I'm talking about gray. And each one, there's five of them. And you gave me three. There's, there's brown gray. There's, there's green gray. There's blue gray. There's gray gray. And I'm like, you... You know, I mean, just pick a freaking gray for crying out loud. And uh, you say, well, what's wrong with you? Whether it's in that psychotic realm or not for you, is that we find stability in dec- decisiveness. It's like, I'm going to go with that one. I don't want that. So to offer 30 more doesn't mean you're experiencing a better life. Sometimes the choices actually create a reverberation emotionally in you that it's like, no, no, I'm going to go with that one would be the best answer. But the world is offering us all kinds of choices. Then there's the fear of the future. Uh, The what ifs of the world. And I'm a pragmatist. I really do look at the news and think, huh, can we sustain a battle conflict with Russia and the Ukraine? Hmm, I wonder how that will work out. And I was like, I wonder, how long will Putin go before he launches a, a localized nuclear weapon? You know, and so I'll start working that out for you. You don't need to worry about that. I'm up at 3 o'clock at night trying to figure out, you know, strategic arms limitations, treaties, and things like that. I got that all worked out. I will keep myself awake and wear my body out thinking about how can we sustain a ground war with China and Russia. But you may be asking yourself and stressing yourself out with inflation. Will you ever be able to own or afford a home? Those are real things that wear on us. Or what kind of world is my child going to grow up? And that not only impacts your mind, but it impacts your physiology. Or what kind of skin spot is that that, you know, it's like it looks a lot like Abraham Lincoln, you know? And it's like, what should I do with that? Should I, you know? See, these are all things Simultaneously, while we're worrying, while we're making choices, while the complexity of life, while we're trying to be diverse, while we're, tr- while we're getting crowded, all this adds up together. There's no wonder that more and more I'm hearing good Christian people becoming alcoholics. That two years ago, they had no thought of ever being an alcoholic. Just think about your alcohol consumption level right now. No judgment. I just want you to measure how you're dealing with stress. 
Because a lot of folks have gone to the doctors and asked for a, for a pill to kind of help you through the times. Or maybe you're shooting down a bottle of wine every day or every third day. Or, or, or maybe you're just spaying, you're losing sleep. These are all things that will wear down your body. So, I know every one of us to be healthier. And I know that, you know, you can trim your eating and increase your exercise. But I love what Proverbs 14.30 says. It says, peace of mind makes the body healthy. What an amazing place to start. Peace of mind makes the body healthy. So we've got to figure out how to lower our stress for our body's sake, for our physiology, for our health sake. So I'm going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture, Psalm 23, which you've heard a lot. But as I read it, and I noticed this in the first service, I want you to, as I read it, let it exhale something to you. You know, your, your iPhone watch will, has that little app that comes on and says, it's time to stand up. You know, and I'll be like, I'll say words to it that I shouldn't say to a phone, but I mean to a watch, but I'll be like, you stand up. You know, it's like, I will when you stand up. You know, it's like, and so like, or all of a sudden this little flowery looking thing about breathing, mindfulness comes on, you know, and it'll be, you know, tell me, exhale. You know, I mean, it's, this is my watch doing this. And that's a, maybe that's a good thing. Um, But I want you to listen to this scripture and tell me, if not, as you listen to it, I want you to breathe in and out the right way, the way that God created you. And just let some of this stuff just exhale out of you. And Because this is what the power of the word of God has. Think about all those things that we were worrying about. Now listen to how Psalm 23 addresses it. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. He makes me lay down in lush green meadows. And he leads me beside calm, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me, even in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you're thinking about something that could transform the way that you think that could affect your physiology, that's the wisdom of God right there. So the first thing that he says that's part of the solution to remove stress is to look to God to meet all your needs. This is a thought practice, and we need to stop looking to other people to meet our needs. Uh, we need to stop looking to the government to make, meet our needs. We need, it's, it's unfair to even expect your spouse to meet all your needs. See, some people think, well, I'm going to get married, and that person's going to, like Jerry Maguire, you complete me. And all you got to do is be married for three years and find out that that's not what happens in a marriage. That 
that marriage itself can become a new form of stress induction. For some of us, we look for our children to be our source of peace of mind. We need to stop looking to our job to be our peace of mind, that we'll finally find the right job and then I will have mm, peace of mind in my life. Stop waiting for the future payoff to bring peace in your life, some investment that you may have. I heard one pastor say it this way, never put your security in anything that can be taken away from you. If you have put your security, your peace, in something that can be taken away from you, then you, then you are creating a system that generates anxiety because you have to worry about losing it. I mean, uh, inflation happens. Divorce happens, death happens, illness happens. Um, and all these things can challenge what we think, well, I've got that, I've got my health, so therefore I should be able to relax. I, I've got a great wife, it's like, well, then I should be able to relax. I, I've got a great job, so therefore I should. It's like, no, if, if it can be taken away from you, then you shouldn't be putting your complete trust or your peace in it. But know this, that no one can take away from you the love of God our Father. They never can take, you away, take that away from you. So this, this thought about the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, is not just poetry. In, 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 in yoga or maybe in another religion, they would call it a mantra. And, and a mantra in another religion would be, would be the root thought. It's the thought that precedes all other thoughts. It's the um, and you can have all kinds of dumb, ridiculous mantras. I mean, you could have, you know, I'm wonderful is your mantra and, and, and look in the mirror every day and say, I'm wonderful. Well, good luck with that because one day you're not going to be wonderful. I'm beautiful. Well, there's going to be one day you're going to look in that mirror and you're, you're not so beautiful. I'm brilliant. It's like, no, you're drooling out of the side of your face right now. He's like, you know, so, but, so what is the right root directory of all thoughts? And David said, the Lord is my shepherd I have everything I need. That's the directory. That's, if you've ever thought about memorizing scripture during this uh, eight weeks, and we have memory verses that we have, and, but this is a thought that needs to be first in your mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And I know that somebody's sitting there and, and saying, well, dude, you obviously don't know. I don't have everything I need. Okay, so that's a nice idea. Well, here's a great thing that's connected with the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Is that I also have access to ask for what I believe I need. Jesus talking to his disciples in a non-complimentary kind of way says this. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father gives good gifts to those who ask him. So... We have, in this one phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, we have access to ask for God whatever we think we need. And there's so much stress that can be removed when we just push all the other sources of, of, of what we use, the reservoirs, these wells that we drink from. If I just had my health, if I just had a good marriage, if I just had more money in the bank, if I just have, you're just gonna keep on saying that because all that stuff is going to disappear. So what is the one thing? The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. And if that need is to ask him for 
what I need, I have that also from him. That begins to remove dangerous stress from your life. The second body-saving stress buster would be this. I need to obey God's instruction about rest. And this is going to be the big takeaway point for today. I need to obey God's instruction about rest. So much of the stress of life comes from always working, rushing, um, seizing the moment. I, raised, I was raised in a generation where the more hours you worked, I mean, all the guys would be sitting around the VFW with beers and say, how many hours would you do at work today? I was at, I was at work for eight hours today. Man, I was like, well, dude, I was, I was up at 5 a.m. I worked 12 hours. And it's like, oh, that's good. And then another guy would be like, what are you talking about? I work 12 hours a day, eight days a week. And it's like, wow. You know, every, it was like this cultural pride that unless you were working hard and coming home late and, you know, uh, you, were, you weren't a man or you weren't a provider for your family or you weren't a good person. We had this axiom that more work is better and seizing the moment for work. Let me just say, if you are hurrying up so that you can catch up, so that you can rest up, it will never happen. We believe some idea that I need to work all these late hours, and that shows that I am valuable. I, I feel that way when somebody tells me that, yeah, I work 12 hours a day. I'd be like, dude, you're impressive. And it's like, um, you know, you work every day? Yeah, I work every day. I don't get a day off. Well, we're going to find out you're not only not impressive, you're disobedient. Like, what? But that's exactly what the scripture is going to teach us. We need to trust God and obey his wisdom about rest. Rest is a big deal for your body. And it's a big deal to God. God actually modeled, and in the story of Genesis, we're told that he does all this creation work on six days. And on the seventh day, he plops it right in the middle of the story. And it says, and God rests. Now, I'm not saying God was wore out, but he did model for us something that he considered just as important as what happened on day one. Now, day one, we consider it kind of important. God in the darkness separates light from darkness. Then, you know, day three, he creates the moon and the stars. And day six, he creates us. And it's like, well, those are big deals. You're telling me resting is as big a deal as that? Oh, yes. It's that big of a deal. And God himself modeled it for us. Matter of fact, God feels so much about this idea of rest is the word called Sabbath. And it's a Hebrew word. It's really technical. It means rest. That's all it means. It means rest. But God felt rest was so important. He, he kind of came up with a, to create and shape culture. And he kind of went to some of these rude thoughts about makes a good culture. He could have given us like a gazillion commandments. But he decided, I'm going to give you 10 that kind of touch a lot of ideas, 10, 10 really good thoughts that if you apply these to other areas, they all kind of work out. Um, it's kind of like a rubric. And, you know, it's like these are, these are key ideas. And in that, this guy, you have the Lord God, you should keep him holy. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. You know, don't know engraven images. And then it was like, keep the Sabbath day, the day of rest, holy. Well, the interesting thing is, is it's above adultery. You know, the interesting thing is it's above murder. The interesting thing is it's above stealing. I mean, 
I, I, it's kind of interesting that God thinks of rest as that important. Now, I'm not saying, you know, one commandment's better than the other. I'm just saying this is if God says you begin to order your life, here's a really key point. You need to get your rest. And you need to rest the right way. And he's like, and I'm not suggesting it. I'm commanding you to get your rest. Why? See, we'll march on Washington. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I do body movements, but we'll march, we'll march on Washington to stand up for marriage. Make sure it's between a man and a woman. Eh, that's a good thing. Uh, make sure that uh, we'll protest about guys cheating on their wives. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. But do you see anybody protesting Washington about rest? Christians all day long will, will fight for on the issue of abortion, and that's a good thing. But the same Christians will violate one of the Ten Commandments and not rest. And think, that's not a big deal. It's not like it's abortion. It's not like it's like gay marriage. It's not like, well, I'm here to tell you. The reason why nobody's believing us about abortion and gay marriage is because they see us disobeying on all the other commandments. I'm serious. We've lost credibility. We don't rest. Why should I listen to you about my sex life when I watch you over here Working 12 hours a day, eight days a week. You tell me about the word of God. I, I don't mean to be so, so uh, hyperbolic about this, because I don't think I am being hyperbolic. I'm trying to put it all back in its original order. We don't rest enough. We're drinking too much. We're, we're taking too many pills. You know, we're up at 3 o'clock at night because we're just stressed out. And if we would just put rest into our lives, God has wired your body in such a way that if you don't take time off, your body will. Your body will shut down physiologically. Your blood pressure will go up. Oh, I'll take some Valsartan. That will take care of it. Well, what happens when you go beyond Valsartan? I'll take a blood thinner. Okay, okay, so you're, now you're 60. Your blood's thinned. Your blood pressure's been handled as much as we can. We got nothing else to give you. It's like, what do I need to do, doctor? You got choice. This would be my doctor. You, uh, you can either die or you could start resting, start being so stressed out. And you know what? That would be the right answer. One of those two will be the right answer. God says, I want you to rest. Psalm 23, 2 said this. He makes me lie down. We forget that part. We, we focus on the green pasture part. It's like, no, he makes me lie down. He commands me to lie down. He tells me what you're doing is not right. I know it makes you feel important. I know it fills the coffers full of money. I know it's kind of a cultural value, but I'm making you lie down. And if you don't lie down in submission to the commandment of God, your body will lay itself down. So what does rest look like? And I could definitely go on a deep theological, philosophical treatise on the topic and what it means and symbolic and all that stuff. But how about, how about we just put that aside because that's good stuff. Um, what should the Sabbath, the rest, that day that you choose? It doesn't have to be Sunday. Today's not a day of rest for me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the Energizer Bunny up here right now. I mean, so this is, but you need to pick a day where you rest. So what does that look like? Well, it should involve um, four things. It should involve reverence, rest, recreation, and restoration. 
Just think about your day off. What's it look like? If you have a day off, you should have a day off. What does that look like? It's got to have a component of worship into it, where you just thank God for the other six days where you are able to acquire and, and be fulfilled in hard work and labor, and, and that you, you just give honor to God. That's what we're doing here today. Today is a time when we get together and we, why don't we sing three songs and why don't we do that song thing? Why don't we just cut to the chase, get to the preaching? Oh, no, 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 no. We, we, we need to have a time where we just kind of thank God that there's something healing to the body when we are worshiping God and we're putting things right in their back order. When all of a sudden God is put in his proper place, it brings healing to our mind and it brings healing to our body. Some of us, we need to incorporate rest. And I'm just going to say rest equals nap. There is nothing better, and I learned this in the South, and I've been here for almost 40 years, and there's nothing better than sitting in a hammock or in a rocking chair or a chaise on the front porch in South Carolina and falling asleep. There's nothing better than a Saturday afternoon at about kickoff time and watching the Clemson Tigers or the, the Gamecocks start their game and falling asleep from the second quarter all the way to the third quarter and waking up and having a good nap. See, we don't, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to just rest and just nap. How about recreation? Something that energizes you and it's not work and it's not maybe necessarily your children. Recreation, something. You say, well, where do you get a biblical support for that? Well, God creates Adam and Eve and puts them in a paradise. And in that paradise, there's one tree that he says, don't eat of this. Then there's a whole bunch of other trees. He says, of all the trees in the garden, you may be eat. Have you tried the mango? You know, have you tried, you know, the kiwi over here? Have you tried whatever this grown over here? Have you tried? You could try all these things. But here's what I don't want you to eat. And we would all agree that that one tree, Adam and Eve, should not have eaten. You know what's on that tree? The attitude that I'm not supposed to rest. That I got to work every single day. I got to be on call. I got to take this phone call, honey. I've got to do what work tells me. It's like, well, cool. If, if profit... Trump's obedience, just know that that's what you're doing. If money wisdom is greater than divine wisdom, then keep on doing it. So you, mountain bike, um, walk, hike. You don't need a lot of money for a hobby, too. Don't, don't do that. You don't even need a lot of physical prowess to have a hobby. I mean, I have, I have bunches of hobbies. I am hobby rich. I, um, I love photography. Um, I just got a new camera, so I'm upgrading my, I'm going to make some new photos. I've got, um, uh, I love walking. I love kayaking. I love mountain biking. I like, um, I love Legos. I like building R2-D2 out of Legos and, and Star Wars characters. Um, I love The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. I love, I love sci-fi and all this other stuff. And you say, dude, you're just a nerd. You need to get a job. You need to carpe diem seize the day. Not on my day off, I'm not. Say, well, I want a pastor I can call any time. Wrong church. Because on my day off, you're not getting to me. Okay? And you say, well, that's kind of... Not very Jesus-like. You need to be more like Jesus. 
So let me just tell you how many times in the Gospels Jesus has this crowd of 5,000 people, 4,000 people, feeding them fish and loaves, doing miracles, doing all kinds of things, kicking field goals. I mean, he's just like having, he's just doing it crazy. And then when about like three hours are into it, four hours into it, he says, hey, listen, uh, hey, guys, do me a favor. And they're like, what are we going to do? We're going to go in and bomb Rome? Yeah, we're going to go in and tear up some Jerusalem? He goes, no, I need you to send the crowds away. But wait a minute, they need healing. They need food. I said, send them away. Where are we going? What are we going to do now, Jesus? What are we going to tear up? And they're like, we're going to go over to this garden here, and we're just going to, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to sleep, spend some time with my father, and we're just going to rest. Now, if you think you're more important than the second person of the Trinity walking on planet Earth, saving the world from its sins, then let me know before you leave, okay? But if there's a possibility that you're just like one of the rest of us and you have a hard time managing your time and a hard time resting, then maybe the divine wisdom should be something we subscribe to. Maybe it's something that we should hold a part of. Restoration. We need restoration in our life. That's a restoring moment, a day where we restore, where we disconnect from urgencies. We disconnect from our $1,500 phone. And I know some of you right now, you got your phones, you know, and all it takes is a and, and it vibrates in your butt, and you pull that thing out, and you're acting like, I'm just following along in the scriptures, Pastor. You know, and really you just got a text to pick up some fried chicken on the way home or something, you know, something really important. But, you know, could, is it possible that you could totally disconnect for one day? And some of you are like, there's no way, Pastor, I can do that. It's like, okay, just know this. Neither you nor God controls your life. Yeah, that's, that there's some other ethic that's the root directory of your thoughts that's, that's greater than God. I, when you think about it that way, I know you're saying here today, well, pastor, it's taxis and I can't afford a rest. Um, or it's Christmas retail. This is when I got to be at work and I got to work all these days. Well, Exodus 34, 21 addresses that. He says, you shall work six days, but on the seventh day, you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest, you shall rest. It's like, oh, everybody can rest when businesses low, when things aren't going real low, but now all of a sudden your, your online service is clicking, and you're making money, and, and this is, business is in, it's, it's my high season, and God says, oh no, I know about high seasons also. I know about making all that money and all stuff, but he said, but listen, I want you to rest, not just when resting is, is just, you know, because you're not making any money. He's like, no, even when you're, when you're at the top of your game, when you're making the most money, when the demands are even at their highest, I want you to stop on that day too. I'm telling you, this is tough. But we're here because we want to be transformed. And if we're going to be transformed, it's going to happen by the renewing of our mind. And if that's going to happen, we can't lean to our own understanding, but on his word, meditate day and night, and he will make our path straight. I, that's what we're doing here. So the fact that it... You, you might have rolled your head a couple times or clamped onto your spouse's hand like, this is an idiot. You know, it's like, you can't do that. That's not real. Okay, just know this. Just know that you just said no to God. You know, when my, uh, I had a Toyota Highlander 2018 and engine light came on and I uh, took it over to Toyota and, and uh, turns out 
the, uh, oddly enough, the uh, small block went bad in it. Yeah, I mean, it's like on a Highlander, okay? That's not supposed to happen. So I went in there, and a great gal was there that was working there, and I'm like, you know, Deanna, can you t- help me out here? What's, what should I do? With-? She just looked at me and said, Mr. Ranzo, you need to sell this thing. She said, you'll be fixing this thing for the rest of your life. You need to sell it. And I did. Oddly enough, Toyota bought it. But so if you're looking for a 2018 Highlander, I know one you shouldn't buy. But it might be out there waiting for you at a price that you can't beat. But, but when Toyota tells you, you need to sell a Toyota, what do you do? You sell a Toyota. When they tell you that engine's not working right and we got to, you know, you need to get rid of this vehicle, you do that. So if the God of creation tells you you need to rest, and he puts it in explicit language, not kind of sort of rest, not kind of like maybe one day a month or sometime, not in poetic language, but on the seventh day. What do you do? When your manufacturer says, change the oil, you change the oil, don't you? You should, or your car's going to break. And God says, rest. You don't need Merlot. You don't need your doctor to subscribe something unless you have some genuine issue. You need rest in your life. As we head into this moment, this closing moment of expressions, and that's the time when we connect with God. Hopefully we disconnect with everything else, but we connect with God through communion, through worship, through a time of prayer and thanks. All of you are going to go out to your cars today, and maybe this morning when you got into your car, you noticed uh, what's called a TPMS light that is on. I don't know if anybody, if you know that your car has a little light like that, but it, there's a little light that pops up, and it's kind of like it's got an exclamation, and it, and it just pops up on your screen, lights up. What that means is that your tire pressure is low. Well, because there was a change in temperature, the air inside your, the pressure inside your tire kind of contracts. Kind of all, all the air gets close together to try to keep warm. So your tires flatten a little bit. Now that light will remain on until you put the right pressure back in it. Now some of us will go out there and you'll probably see it in your car today. You'll get out there and this little light's up there and it's right there. And you can just drive through it. Like, yeah, just drive through. Just keep on going. That's just the, that's just the tire pressure. Okay, wait until you have to make a quick maneuver. Wait until all of a sudden the bead breaks on the tire. And all of a sudden you got yourself a flat tire because you went over a curb. It's like, why did, why did that happen? It's because you just decided that I can keep driving even though this light's on. Or maybe you're a moron like me. And here's how I handle this light. This is psychotic. I know it. That means the temperature of my tire is lower. So what do I need to do? I need to increase the temperature of my tire. So what do I do? Increase the amount of friction. So what do I do? I go fast. So when I see this light, I increase my speed thinking the rubber will heat up, it will expand the air, and then the light will go off. And see, that's that's crazy. But that's exactly what we do. The money gets low, times get difficult. Everything is, our space is crowded. The air is diminished in our lives. And so for some of us, we just work harder. We run faster. 
We put in more time. We do all this stuff. And what all you need to do is just pull over and fill up. That's what you need to do. You don't need to ignore it. You don't need to, you don't need to go faster. You don't need to put a piece of tape over it. People do that too. They put tape over this light because it bothers them, but they don't want to do anything about it. I am telling you that if we continue at the pace that we're going right now with the new challenges that we're facing as a culture, as families and marriage and parenting and all this other stuff, your tire is going to blow, especially when you need to make an important maneuver or when you hit a curb. Or we can pull over and establish in our lives a day of rest. Nobody here is more important than the Son of God, and he rested every week. Nobody here is smarter than the car that they drive, but yet you service it when it needs to be fixed. So let me encourage you. If God says rest, then it's time for us to allow God to save our lives by obeying his word. Father, thank you so much because my TPMS light is on. I'm angrier. I'm more impatient. I'm fed up. I'm less tolerant. I've got less joy. All that cold, Lord God, has has reduced my ability keep shape driving faster is not going to fix it ignoring the light is not going to fix it but God you invite me to pull over by streams of living water green pastures quiet streams so by spending time with you and eating from the other fruit in the garden that my soul will be refreshed and it will be health to my bones. Lord God, I hope that every one of us have learned it's not just good eating and it's not just exercise that might heal our bodies, but your wisdom on how we use our bodies that will save us. We thank you, God. And as we take this moment out, as we rest, as we take communion, restore our souls.